you are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in tonight on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review. Here on the Salem Radio Network, don't forget it's a Feedback Friday. We love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Kim is here with us because it is a Friday, so we've got the day Group coming up in hour number two. I know there's a lot of important news happening in the country tonight, but uh, we we have to begin with an issue we have going on here in-house right now. And I would normally prefer not to conduct um, such discipline in public, but given the level of the offense and the fact the public was exposed to it, I, I, I think it, it, it needs to happen in this fashion. Folks, have I ever, Todd and Aaron, since you guys have started, have I ever told you guys about Candace? No. No? All right. Candace has been just a, a loyal listener to our show almost from the very beginning. She's a prayer warrior for our show. Great lady. Even came here to watch us do the show once a few years ago before you guys came on board. The day's train. And... Uh, and, and each week, you know, when she has time, she sends me like a little update on on the show, her thoughts, and, you know, and always writes out a really nice prayer for our show. She's just, she's just phenomenal. After I got off the air last night, she sent me a note that I think requires us having a bit of a come to Jesus moment here live on the air. Keep in mind, Candace is a sweet lady. Actually, now that you have uh, described her, I think I actually have met her. Have you met her? A I sweet lady who knows where the woodshed is, shed is, I she guess, indeed, huh? She indeed does. And one of you are going there. Candace wrote this to me last night. Some things are true all of the time, but all things are not cool all of the time. Specifically. Aaron liking the work of the Alan Parsons project. <laughs> I'm glad we're I'm glad we're going here. I'm so glad. Okay, I'm cool with that. But the year of the cat? What the heck? Games people play by Alan Parsons project is one of those tunes that can rewind in my mind repeatedly. Good call, but then Aaron has to screw up the segment with the year of the cat. <laughs> Biggest chick melody ever. And then I'm not sure Aaron even knew who wrote it. I'm not criticizing Aaron for liking the tune. I am criticizing him, though, for admitting it on the air. <laughs> you and Todd need to take that producer of yours out in the woods and drill him on some classic rock or some headbanger specials. I mean, we all know the merits of Zeppelin, but who in the heck in the audience knows Al Stewart's Year of the Cat but me? And I'm freaking old enough to not quite almost old you, enough Candace. to be Aaron's great-grandmother. Aaron, your response to this 
to this shaming that you have just received? Candace, um, if you are the person that I, uh, I think you are, which I'm pretty sure is, is the person I have in my head right now, you are a sweet lady. You really are. Um, you know, that was, that was for people like you. And um, I, I'm, what you do know, you mean by people like her, Ross people, Perot? What does people, that mean? People like you. you giving her a you people? Who, who listen to Al Stewart or who know who Al Stewart's uh, Year of the Cat is. I mean, it's kind of an, an acquired taste, but I, I'm really glad. Indeed, this, and few have acquired it. And I, I'm, really glad, it like. I'm really glad we're bringing this up. I had Nor no idea we, I had no idea we were going to go here this direction with, with the show, but um, I mean, I will have you know that the, like the last two I days, mean, the only thing food that Food poisoning is an acquired the, taste, too. The only thing that I have listened to like for the last two days is Foo Fighters, uh, Best of You. Uh, that's been on like repeat. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but anyway. Right about now, Aaron wants to go back to talking about paradoxes involving boats and yeah, stuff. Any, anyway, I've just I've I've come to the conclusion, Steve, and, and it's just going to be better for both of us if we just come to terms here. As I think to you, why, to I think as, you, as you to know why, your boss. Could we get any more millennial as, than that? As to why we have such disparate tastes in music. Todd, if someone would have said rule? to you, what's the rule? It sounds like counseling. When you were rule? 23 years old, if another 23-year-old man would have said to you, I think we should come to terms here, your reaction hey, would have been what? All I know is if I had been on the end of that scolding right there, I would have gone last samurai by now and thrown that knife right in my chest. I mean, right. that hey, I was, just, where I is the hemlock? I just really, Somebody make Sophocles one, proud one, and end this with some dignity and honor. One, I just, I, I really don't care. I, it's, not, <laughs> it's not that I have feelings, just that I don't. <laughs> care what anybody thinks of my of my Which listening habit, habits um, there, Candace, he, he want aaron wants you to know I, it's not I that love, he's lazy it's that he just don't care exactly. that, that's really what it, it is do we go deeper then are there lava lamps and it's, involved it's the what exact, else this is, is what i was about to say a little bit ago it's steve it's not that i i i, I um uh, what's the word for it it's, it's i don't not, know you tell it's me not, it's not that i dislike your Year music of the cat no it's not that i dislike your musical preferences i just I don't. I don't care. But you are the master of your domain. So part of that domain is the Steve Day Show. We will Kim, play Kim, whatever the heck you want. Kim, to did play. you know what Year of the Cat but, was? No, I've never heard of it, dude. No. It is. I mean, musically, it's the the lyrics are weird. Don't listen to the lyrics. But musically, <laughs> that's you mean Year of the Cat. <laughs> what a ringing endorsement. Seems like a, the lyrics might be a little shady to a song don't called Year of the Cat. The musically, it is. It's really cool. It's really good. Uh, but that's all I got to say about that. Anything, any dangling participles I've left out there? Because I really, I just, the whole I thing really is a dangling care. participle. Yes. <laughs> Yourself, yes, <laughs> yes. Your masculinity. There's a, there's a few left out there. Yes. Either my masculinity is shot, or I have the biggest masculinity anybody's yeah, yeah. seen. That see, I that, don't care. That's that. See that now. Now you're learning, Padawan. You turn that around and he say, did turn it that's, around. I am so confident in my masculinity. Yeah. I'll throw this out there and own it, man. I don't I'll care what any of y'all I'll think. Year, I'll listen to Year of the Cat in my Mini Cooper on the way home from the Steve Day oh, show. Oh, now you've done. Now that, I've then. gone past. Okay. <laughs> now no. I need a samurai sword. Were you as? Were, did you go home as disturbed by that exchange last night as I did? I. I I struggle with it. I, I had to. I was going to tell you. I was going to turn off Madden 2017 at about 1 a.m. last night, and then I thought, I just, I, I've I couldn't. In Steve Dace's head, I, I, I felt some of whatever's left of of my aging masculinity leave my body during that exchange last night. So I was like, I'm going to have to play another game, just to kind of. Uh, so I had to play an extra game of Madden last night just to recharge. Uh, some of my dudes. And this is just another change in perspective. While you were playing Madden, I was shooting pirates in Far Cry 3. So Now, this has me thinking. Epic troll moment. Now, this would have to come after Christmas, because if you did this during the Christmas season with the bumper music, 
Steve might not only fire you, but go through that gra- glass window right there. But if you put in Year of the Cat as the bumper music... You've never heard this? It's, no. And, and I'd like to keep it you, that way. <laughs> I want to be able to tell my kids I've never heard this. Yes. I need that, in fact. <laughs> you need way more than Madden Detox oh, to man. get over that. Like, I, I tweeted out earlier today, I watched both the domestic and uh, international trailers for the Spider-Man reboot yeah, that good. Marvel's doing. I kind of thought, eh. Didn't blow me it's away. Fine, I, I wanted to blow me away. It didn't blow me away. And I tweeted that out. Matt Walsh at The Blaze said, yeah, I had the same reaction. Probably because we're both over 30. And I said, I wish I could tell you that was the reason for my reaction. But I think we both know that's not true. I'm far more immature than that. I just didn't, it just didn't blow me away. As cool as Matt Walsh is on multiple levels, he's just purposefully no fun when it comes yeah, to Yeah, I think stuff. he enjoys trolling yes. people, fanboys. I, I think that he enjoys it. I, I wonder what Matt Walsh would do with Aaron for an evening. Drink bourbon. That would be fine with me. Uh, pour tweet- some over the top of your head, I think, perhaps. I think that's true. Set. I think there would be bourbon involved. I think, I think an evening. With me. In fact, I'm going to send you. I think he, he lives in Louisville, I believe. I'm going to send you down there, I think, over the holidays. And just to, just a man. Is it, or did he move? I he was he, in Kentucky. Did he move? To, did he move? Yeah, he, he's in Baltimore. Okay. Now, I think. All right. So I'm, I'm going to send you out east. You'll come back. He'll make a man out of you a little bit. You'll come back in the new year. I mean, Aaron's, you'll, you'll notice Aaron's voice will be even deeper. Right? Dude will come back with a full beard. You know what I'm saying? Maybe mm-hmm. even a pipe. And, and, and never again will we ever have to be uh, inundated with his thoughts on the Alan Parsons project and Year of the Cat. I mean, I in the, the Eye in the Sky song was popular when I was 10 years old. I'm just telling you right now. I don't know what playgrounds y'all rolled in, but in the mean streets of Orlando, Florida, where I lived when I was 10, specifically Castleberry, if you rolled in... If you rolled onto the basketball play- court or in the middle of playing pickup f- football or baseball and you said, hey, guys, did you guys hear that Alan Parsons project? The next thing you would taste would be, this, would be your own bloodied nose. And America was better for it when we operated like that, Urson. What's the rule on the show? We didn't set up hotlines for Trump won the election. Call us because you're crying about it. <laughs> What's the line on the show, Occam? Um... Boy, we've got 30 seconds left, and I was, just, I, was, I was almost, I was this close to maybe insulting you, and I'm not going to do it. I think, see, you're already wiser than you were at this time last night, indeed. More in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. Application for your foundation. This is Steve Dace. All right, back here on the Steve Dace Show here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. How do we move forward after that mic drop of radio excellence right there? I think we give Aaron a chance to redeem himself because this is one of our more popular segments each and every week. And what better way to segue from the worst of our worst to the worst of our worst, right? So this week's sign, the apocalypse is upon us. And Aaron, I'm going to tell you right now, this better not suck. Well, it was between this or sex robots, so I think we're doing pretty well. 
If those were your two choices, then I think this is going to rock. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned this in passing, I think, uh, two or three weeks ago. I think it deserves more time uh, to come into li- limelight here. Sick and tired of little boys rejecting tutus and little girls embracing Barbie. Left-wing activists are pushing for American children to engage with drag queens in publicly funded schools and libraries. San Francisco-based Radar Productions and New York-based Feminist Press have teamed up to bring Drag Queen Story Hour to life, hoping to defy rigid gender restrictions while providing, quote, unabashedly queer role models, end quote. As the campaign notes, Drag Queen Story Hour is exactly what it sounds like. Local drag queens decked out in over-the-top loud clothing and glitter, reading feminist-inspired fairy tales to young children. Honey Mahogany, a cross-dresser with the group, or otherwise known as a stripper, yeah, said in a provo- promotional video, she said she's proud to represent. I think it's always important to um, give back to the community with your drag and to um, <laughs> sort of, you know, make a positive uh, impact in your community when you can. I couldn't agree um, more. It's interesting because I think part of the way that this was framed was that it was... Crazy. Um, Nuts. A way for like, need of counseling people to get involved with um, with kids, but I think to make the queerness part, we should all be arrested at the forefront. Um, Nothing says reading is that, fundamental uh, like drag and queerness, um, and it doesn't have to be. And your entire school board should be fired. That is Honey Mahogany. She's one of many crossdressers pushing for reading in these libraries. The push for DQSH was literally spurred by the presidential election of Donald Trump, and backers say they are hoping to raise $15,000 to help put on such a story hours three times a month at public schools and libraries across the country. What, of, what did the election of Donald Trump have to do with inspiring? I think it was more along the lines with Mike Pence as well, uh, because he's like Christian or something like that. Uh, but they were they were really uh, they were really concerned that uh, now you just have to be like a Christian and you freak them out. You don't yeah. have to actually be one; just be right. j- like one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so that was that was one of the things, and uh, they were, they were hoping to expand, as I said, to cities across the United States. So cross-dressing librarians slash readers are this week's signs the apocalypse. Kim, your thoughts on this? The floor is yours. I think America wants to know. No, I don't. As think you've been I brooding really over there. Well, I've been your actually thoughts. typing it up and trying to figure out who is, you know, Honey Mahogany, and I'm like, oh, my search engine. I'm sorry. I apologize. Every every stripper in America came up. Ooh, that was bad. I, you know, um, sometimes I look at this and think, parents, you have an obligation to be careful about what you allow into your children's lives. I mean, that's that's where I would go in. Are you sure about that? I do. I thought we were I supposed to sure. be their friends and just kind of let them no, do whatever they wanted to do. So I, that's what you guys do, right? Because that's how we roll. Yeah, life is one big game of playing in traffic, you know? it's in, unless, Indeed. It's like dodgeball. Yeah. Right? Here's the people I'm most sorry for is the people, let's say, wherever this is being hosted. San Francisco. Who, who, yeah, but in, in the particular This building, is not my shocked face. Who would who would witness this, knowing how deeply wrong it is, but would do nothing on any level? Not say something then and there, not make sure they get more involved to make sure that the people who did this are fired. That's the real problem. We continue to see cultural train wreck after cultural train wreck, and then we go off 
to our gated community, and we just protect our own. And now, God bless you, protect your own. But that sooner or later, you're surrounded. You have to go on offense sometimes. Aaron, when you, when you found this story, was there any evidence that any parents had complained about this at all or thought uh, they wanted to opt their kids out of this? This is not something that uh, uh, that you know they wanted their kids to be a part of? Anything like that? No, there was, there was no uh, evidence or record of that, although in this promotional video, it's just disgusting. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting. Honey Mahogany, the cross-dresser that we heard from, um, he has seen... Um, in over the top, as as the story said, over the top dress, um, over the top uh, effeminate uh, language, just holding kids, and people are taking pictures of him uh, dressed in a dress with little kids, reading to them, and um, generally just acting like some sort of doting uh, authority figure or a doting um, role model or something like that. It's just it's freaky. And so it's, I mean, I, I, the, the only thing that I've seen is that it's, it's been fairly well received wherever they've been able to get in yet. I mean, it's, I, if, the, the good news is feminist press, the, I mean, that there's no good news, I don't think, it, that, with this yeah, was, story. We're, we're, we're exactly, if there's one thing absent from this story, I think it's we all know, news. it's the good news. Yes. yes. Uh, the, 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 it doesn't appear that this is really a huge um, movement uh, by feminist press who is one of the people or one of the organizations moving this forward just based on the like the 20 or so YouTube videos or YouTube views that they have um, but it's still disturbing nonetheless there was a time we would have arrested this person indeed yeah uh, there, it, it, we would have arrested the uh, administrators who thought this yeah, was a good them idea too. yeah I, I, I just oh, oh, hold on a second D is in David. E A C E. Because I know that's going to be a release at Right Wing Watch over the weekend, what we just said. So I want to make sure they spelled my name right one more time. And I don't really care if it's Steve or Steven. You can use either one. I mean, my name is technically Steven, but it's okay. I really don't care. A D, D is in David. E as in excellent. A as in arse. C as in con, E as in excellent, right? So, Thank you for the free pub. Yes, so just it. want to make sure you get that right. Okay, and I'm not an Iowa talk show host. We are syndicated all over the country, all right? So I just want to make sure, because you guys don't want any more fake news out there. You don't want any more fake news out there, so I want to make sure when you, when we are the right-wing watches release over the weekend. Well, and don't forget the part about you make motion pictures now, too. Get a little free p- press that, here. That, Come that, on. That, that's exactly right. right. I, I fully I fully expect... Uh, filmmaker to be included in your phony baloney biography of me when this comes out over the weekend, right? But in all seriousness, if, if somebody would have suggested this not too long ago, folks would have looked at you like he needed killing. Like he's at, like he doesn't want to work here anymore. He's just like self fired himself. He just decided that he he just decided working for a school district just wasn't the right thing for him and he couldn't bring himself to quit so he just threw this out there so he'd fire him and he could at least collect unemployment right this would be looked at as self career self immolation now everybody else says gee i wish i would have thought of that first nice to come up with this first indeed more in a moment Listening to Steve Dace. 
reminding you that Almighty God is always a majority. This is Steve Dace. Back here on the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Mike Woody is here to take us to the movies. And Mike, you weren't here on Monday. We, we did make the big announcement. And you can now say that you know a filmmaker. We are going to develop uh, my book, A Nefarious Plot, into a major motion picture, hopefully in, with a 2018 release. We, in fact, had our first story conference call uh, with uh, uh, the producers, Believe Entertainment, uh, who did God's Not Dead and Woodlawn and several other. So that's pretty pretty good group of people. Yep, uh, very successful faith based movies, and uh, it was so much fun just to um, have this like blank canvas, so to speak, and this story and. Just to be creative with it for well over an hour on the phone with uh, all these uh, creative people around the country. And I got so hyped up, I, I was asked to even just to uh, put together like a story outline. Very nice. Yeah, you know, just as a, as a follow-up. And I wrote like a seven-page story outline in the next 90 minutes just based off this meeting. I could I, – this is – listen, I've, I've got a great job. Right, as one of my early radio bosses says, oh, he's got the bug. This 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 beats going out a mine shaft with a flashlight. But I I could get I could I could get into this. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> Good for you. I'm excited about it. Will you take me to the Oscars with Th- that? That that seemed guys sincere. Definitely, it's like a four it mushrooms. That's right. I had to pause it's for like a, a moment. Preemptive four mushrooms. Yes, <laughs> I thought. I thought that was sincere. I, yeah. I'm by not, the way, numerous I'm people. I'm not have, that heartless, snarky person that you are. I'm. Sincere. And I'm, we're back. Uh, I'm yes. happy for you. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. So much for that. <laughs> but I've had several people email me and ask if I'm going to allow you to review the movie on the show when it comes out here. Like you allow me to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. Wow. I, I, I will be gone that day. Because uh, I don't, I don't know if I could take. I may be dead. I mean, these things take a long time. You know. Well, you're at you're you're approaching that age where you're not buying green yeah. bananas. That is that is true, right? But I I I don't know if I if I could handle it if you came in here and dropped your well the movie's too long or it's, it's got a deliberate pace it's got a deliberate pace or it should have been better yeah right? I expected more yes yeah. see what he was saying he was happy for you under just the a table little, look to see if his fingers are crossed because he really wants to come in that day and talk about deliberate pace let it be so I'm kind of disappointed should have had subtitles. <laughs> I expected more. <laughs> Needed more car chases. Yes. Where were the midgets? No, I'm happy for you, Steve. I really am. I, I mean, this is a dream that most people would never even come close to realizing. It is. It's 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 literally a one in ten million opportunity, no doubt. And is there an opportunity at all for Mila Kunis to come into the studio with me? Is she in the film? We have not. We've had some very preliminary casting conversations, and I'm, I want to be hesitant about what I say because we may not be able to get any of the people we've talked about or anything. So I don't want. Although I've I've thrown one name out there just because uh, season two comes out next week, but we w- the main casting conversation we have had so far is focusing on who would play Nefarious. All right, and what I found interesting is the uh, the, the the folks that believe entertainment. 
when we started talking about names, they said, hey, don't worry about the ideology of the film. There are some people that will immediately not will, will say no just because of it. But that right. list is not as big as you think it is. And it's Mo- not as big as it used to be. And most of these folks just want to do a good movie and make good money. And we'll have we're going to have a budget in the millions. So we're going to we're going to be able to pay somebody well to play this role. All right. So um so they said don't don't worry about trying to figure out you know who in Hollywood would be favorable towards what we're trying to communicate. Let's at first because the better the script is, the better the actor we will get. Right. And and the amount of people who will say no just because they don't believe in what we're trying to convey is actually not as big as you think it is, which I thought was a pleasant surprise. They also said, listen, who doesn't want a chance to, even though Lord Nefarious is not the devil himself, he is an, he's a, one of the chief minions of the devil, but who doesn't want the chance to play evil incarnate? Oh, yeah. What quality actor doesn't want the chance to indulge in that, right? So there's, there is a list of, of names we have bandied about amongst us. I'll throw one name out there because I've already mentioned on the already once. I did, on, my, on the list I gave them, is the name Rufus Soul is on that list. Your thoughts? Great actor. Because the other thing, too, if you know the book, and the movie won't no, be an exact... No, because you didn't give me a copy of it. Yes, I did. No, you did not. You just, yes, I did. And the, See, the movie cannot will not be... Why a, would I lie? Will not a second be, copy? <laughs> Mike Woody just asked, why would I lie? So the movie is not a literal, will not be a literal adaptation of the book, but if you do know the character, his voice is almost as important of an entity as is his persona, right? Then Rufus would be really good. All right, we'll talk about the movies that you've seen when we come back. Stay tuned. You're listening to Steve Dace. We're not saying that God is on our side. We're just trying to get on his. This is Steve Dace. Have a holy, jolly Christmas. All right, back here with Mike Woody taking us to the movies. Mike now has a copy of the book. Are you happy now? I am very happy, and I'm happier that it's not autographed. <laughs> It'd be worth even less. All right, let's get to the movies. What's up first? All right, let's talk about Moana. You, now, you've seen this movie. I have, yeah. You and Zoe went and saw it? Yep, Daddy Daughter it a couple weeks ago. Now, what did Zoe think? She loved it. Okay. I enjoyed and, it. I like The Rock, though. I, I like The Rock. Uh, the Rock is a very enta- entertaining actor. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you know, the story, I don't really know much about Polynesian mythology. Okay? Yeah, I, thought, so, I thought that whole ecology subplot might be a problem for you. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's akin to it, global warming, Steve. Yeah, not really. Um, because it's, well, if you're telling me that they used mythology to communicate mythology... Then no, I didn't really have a problem with it. I think it's a charming. See what I did, see what I did there? Did you guys see what I did there? Do you like that? That's good. That's why I get paid around here. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. <laughs> why are you pointing to that? They're nodding off. They're checking their Facebook. They're not listening. Well, to that you. is true. Yes, I can't lie. That is. I true. thought it was a charming film. <laughs> I, I mean, it's got everything you want. It's got you know, it's got the charming the cute is a good word. Disney princess who doesn't want to be a princess. Yep. She it's wants got, to it's be got the animal sidekick. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, a Disney formula. Yes. The stupid chicken. Yes, the stupid chicken. Yes. And and The Rock does a nice job. It's got action. It's got funny stuff. It's got and songs. He didn't, he didn't go Pierce Brosnan when he tried to sing, which, which I was concerned about when the tune began. <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, this is an aside. Mama Mia is coming to Des Moines. That's unfortunate. On their final tour. <laughs> now, I will pay unfor- money if it's their final tour <laughs> and they uh, 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 never come back. Don't tease me, all right, that it's the final tour. How many mushroom clouds from Moana? You know what? I'm going to give it. 
Three and a half, maybe four. I, I'm with you. It's, it's, a, a, good, it's, it's a, a great family movie. It, it is a really good family movie. I My daughter it. saw it. I wasn't there. What? Where does it rank in the pantheon? What's closest to? I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a transcendent, like it's uh, not a Little Mermaid or or or, or or the Incredibles or something like that. I'd put it, you know, like a, the first Cars, you know, something like that. Would you say that's a good one? Well no, done. No, I would say it's better than Cars. Think it's better than Cars? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I won't argue with that. Wow! No, I thought. No, I happen to like. I I happen to like uh, Angry Birds better, and I think The Secret Life of Pets is a lot better than Moana. Yes, like The Secret Life of Pets a lot. Yeah, a lot. Wow! What's next? Just a lack of story in The Secret Life of Pets. Yeah, I thought it had a better story. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I'm, uh, Polynesian mythology is not necessarily my thing. Dogs, I get. <laughs> Polynesian mythology, not so much. All right, go ahead. What's All next? right, Nocturnal Animals. Oh boy, Amy Adams is on a roll. Between Arrival and now this, and Arrival is a movie that most people can see. This is a movie that some people are not going to want to see. It is very dark. It is very violent. She plays, first off, and I'll tell you off the air, it has the most disturbing opening scene of any movie I have ever seen in my life. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Can you say what it is, even generally? Heavy nudity. Oh. Maybe that's why it's disturbing. Emphasis on both words. Um, but she plays an uh, she she runs an art gallery in Los Angeles. Say no so, more. So she's living the you know the the fast paced high life. Her husband, who's played by Army Hammer, uh, in the film, he's a driven guy. His business is not doing well. He's flying off to New York to meet a client. Wink, wink. Um, she knows that he's having an affair. Their marriage is a sham, and it's ending. That day, he leaves. A book arrives, the manuscript of a book, from her ex-husband, who she hasn't seen or talked to in 20 years. And that's where the movie diverts to a second, the movie within the movie. And essentially, the rest of the movie is her reading that book. And you see Jake Gyllenhaal is in it plays her ex-husband and then there's a woman that amazingly looks like Amy Adams but isn't and a daughter and it's just what happens to them on a very dark Texas highway in the middle of the night and it's not pretty it's very violent it's not a, a happy story but then so you've got her life and that mess and then what she's reading which is essentially her life a version of what could have been her life it's just, it's a great movie. It's really, really good. How many Mushroom Clouds? Is this going to be an Academy Award? Uh, I think it will be an Academy Award. It's probably top five on the year, which ah, that list is already filling up. I'm going to give it four. This is your ninth maybe, top five movie of the year, by the way. How many Mushroom Clouds? Four, maybe four and a half. Probably four and a half. Probably four and a half. All right. What's uh, those are the two major releases? What's new on demand? Uh, the Secret Life of Pets, loved the, it. The one that you loved, I loved the movie. There's no story to it, Steve. It's cute. It's funny. It's got crazy stuff going on, but there's so where's you the just story? told me you just told me it's cute. It's funny, and it has crazy stuff going on, but it has no story. How do they do cute and funny stuff and have crazy stuff going on if there's no story? What do they? What do they do? They they close the door at the at the beginning of the day when they go to work and the dogs go turn the stereo on and play and run around. It's funny. But there, there's, there's not the warmth. There's not. It doesn't have that classic. Have you guys seen this yet? Disney feel. No, totally disagree. Completely disagree. Oh, I love the see, movie. Now we're back to normal. Lo I love the movie. Woo! 
Uh, so you got you're that. right. You're right. It it lacks an obscure Polynesian <laughs> mythological fake demigod trying to return some amulet to a living volcano. You're right. It, it doesn't. It lacks that level of imagination. But somehow they muddled through. Steve, did I mention that Jason Bourne is out as well? Speaking of no story, what? Didn't Matt they, Damon is back. This the most overrated film I saw this year. And, wow. and and Amy and I say that as we are lovers of this series of movies. Uh, you, and so this you is the most think, overrated film of the year. You did not think that fit well in the series. No. They they had a weak ah, excuse see, for, for reassembly. You, you, at the time, you sit here and agreed with me. It, they didn't do it it, it not, wasn't that good. I'm not saying it's the best of the series, but it fits perfectly. It's, it's a nice movie. It's not a great film. It's definitely worth watching. I didn't say it wasn't worth watching. Okay. I didn't say it was terrible. All right. I just said it's overrated. This is a series that has a very high bar. Would we agree on that? Yes. Okay. Did it Absolutely. meet that bar? It might have touched the bar. I don't think it went over the bar. Okay. It might have touched the bar. And I'm somehow way off for saying it's overrated. All right. Maybe you should maybe you should check the Beatles eight days a week, the touring years, the documentary from Ron Howard. Which, if you are a Beatles fan, I am at a big all, Beatles even fan. Even if you're not a Beatles fan, I think this movie would make you a Beatles fan. This is their early years of them touring before they got all jaded and into the drugs and that kind of stuff. And it's great music and great fun. All right, we'll see you next week for the year end. You ready to go? Uh, I'll, I'll I will be then. All right, we'll see you then. We'll all come right, back man. and have more in a moment. Stay tuned. Listening to Steve Dace. Everybody needs a hobby. So what's yours? Resurrection. He's bringing back the American way. It's Steve Dace. What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap sleeping? Just as God gave us the greatest gift in Jesus that first Christmas, we have an opportunity to give our greatest Christmas gift this year when we can bring the gospel to a refugee child. Again, these are children. They are innocents. They are caught in the crosshairs of a humanitarian crisis, of, of, of war, of terrorism. And, and we can reach them right where they're at through our partners at Heart for Lebanon. We can reach children like Maley. Bombs explode. Fathers and brothers are lost to war or kidnapped. Mothers flee with their children to the nearest safe country. For many, that country is Lebanon. 52% of refugees in Lebanon are under the age of 18. This is an overwhelming number. Too many innocent eyes have witnessed horrible things done to their families and friends. The majority of these children have been in Lebanon for several years. They cannot attend local schools. However, they are eager to go back to the classroom and learn. Heart for Lebanon's Children at Risk Initiative is designed to meet their educational, emotional, and spiritual needs. This initiative has three hope centers that provide the much-needed education and love that these children are missing. The hope centers teach basic English, Arabic, and math, but more importantly, teach the love of Jesus Christ. 
For the first time, they are learning biblical character traits that help them live in community with others. Taking a child from a refugee camp to a classroom in a hope center provides a safe and loving environment where children can learn. After several months of being loved on and cared for, children respond by returning the love and looking forward to each day at the Hope Center. Many children have asked Jesus Christ to be their Savior and have become the light in the midst of darkness to the rest of their family, introducing them to Jesus Christ. For just $98, your one-time gift can reach 18 children just like Maley with the gospel. That's the best $98 you're ever going to spend. Call Heart for Lebanon right now, 844-441-9966. That's 844-441-9966. Or you can go to my website at stevedace.com. Click on the Heart for Lebanon banner right there on my website, D E A C E at stevedace.com. One more time, that number is 844-441-9966. You're listening to Steve Dace. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Government should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And we're back with Hour 2 here at the Steve Dace Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Thanks for hopping on board. No matter where you are, no matter when you are, because with today's technology, a lot of you can listen to this on podcast, on demand, when it's convenient for you. So no matter where you are or when you are, we appreciate you carving out a little bit of time uh, to devote to listening to us. Thank you very much. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. We love to know what you think about what we think, so let us know. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. It is hour two on a Friday night. That means it's time for our weekly homage to the late, great John McLaughlin. This is the Dace Group. As we take a look back at the week that was with issue one, appointments, shiny objects, and big government. This week in Trump. The Trump transition continues to move along at a fairly brisk pace. Trump appointed John Kelly, a retired Marine Corps general, to head up the Department of Homeland Security. After a 45-year military career, Kelly stepped down in January as commander of the U.S. Southern Command. Trump also appointed Andrew Puzder as head of the Labor Department. Puzder is a restaurant executive operating fast food chains including Carl's Jr. and Hardee's. Vehement critic of government regulation and staunch opponent of minimum wage laws and the fight for the $15 minimum wage is Puzder. 
Former neurosurgeon and presidential candidate Ben Carson was appointed head of housing and urban development. His mother, one of 24 children, raised Carson and a brother in poverty in Detroit and then in Boston, occasionally relying on food stamps and other programs. Carson has been a critic of government welfare and has called for private charities to shoulder welfare needs. Scott Pruitt, Oklahoma Attorney General, was appointed Environmental Protection Agency chief and has been one of the most staunch critics of the EPA's overreach and doesn't play the left's global warming game. Earlier this week, Trump caused another collective freakout from the media over a tweet in which he threatened to cancel Boeing's order for the new Air Force One, saying the project was too expensive. Also this week, Trump said he's going to try to work something out with youth and families who are here illegally. And Trump fitting in with his chief strategist Steve Bannon's touting of a trillion-dollar infrastructure plan also said this week he's in favor of an economic stimulus. Yet again, this week proves it's going to be a mixed bag for President-elect Donald Trump. Assess this week's cornucopia that is the week in Trump. I start with you, Todd. Well, one thing that Aaron didn't mention, it's the uh, ambassador uh, to China. We owe Donald Trump thanks for getting uh, Governor Branstad, the longest tenured uh, Republican in the history of this land, uh, out of Dodge, literally to the other end of the earth. I well thought played. it smelled it better around be, here. It can't be far enough, making Iowa great again. Kim has yes. like this glow around so her. Happy. If you could only see Thank it, you. she's so happy. China, uh, China. He's in China. <laughs> yes, yeah, go ahead. Uh, we also owe him for uh, Pruitt. If nothing else, again, this is like the sweet glow of everybody just at the cut the days after Trump won. Watching the environmentalists go nuts is is delicious. It is, you know, pop the tub of corn, as Steve always says. Uh, other than that, you know, this is a guy just going about and doing the job. No matter, Most of it reeks of what you think, no matter a Republican or a Democrat, is choosing their office. You've heard of some of these guys before. Some of them you haven't. Ultimately, it ends, as Steve said, it's a, it's a matter of will and no matter what they think, no matter what they say, no matter what they've even done at this point, it's about what they are willing to do now. And we've all seen people who looked like they were going to be the uh, swaggering ones who've done absolutely nothing. And then we've seen uh, seemingly quiet, mousy people throughout history who carry a really big stick. So you, you wrote a great piece about Ben Carson. You know, this is a a time for him to perhaps, even though he's a brain surgeon, to do his greatest work ever by helping the inner cities reinvent themselves. So, you know, he, this is a, I gave him a C last week when he did this kind of thing. You know, he continues to be consistent, so I keep, I'll give him a better grade. I mean, the guy is definitely doing B work right now. Kim, I, I still struggle with what is that much different if Jeb Bush had won? So today the story is, is we may not have, you know, unstice tea times a Haiti buckwheat. Three now, Goldman Sachs employees in, in government. Jeb would have been out there. I, don't, I think Scott Pruitt uh, is somebody Jeb would have appointed as EPA. He's not, you know, some enviro wacko. Um, other than Sessions at AG, which was the very, one of the very first major appointment, what else? And, and I don't necessarily mean this as a criticism. But I, I, it's more of an observation. What is really that much different if Jeb Bush would have won? Would he be talking stimulus and infrastructure programs? I could see that. Couldn't you see that? Sure. I could see that. So tell me, Betsy DeVos at Education, that, well, she's from his board of directors. So 
what's that much the generals? I mean, the, I mean, the, the Bush family's had a long pro-military uh, background politically. So is that really that much different? Tell me. I mean, we had a we had a general, a secretary of a secretary of uh, of, of state originally, and Colin Powell under the, the previous President Bush. So, what's really that much different, other other than his personality? I mean, he's got this 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 obviously overwhelming personality, and that gives people the incentive to believe that things are really going to be different than what they've gotten under the the two party duopoly in the past. But when you look at the actual people lining up in the cabinet, Reince Priebus is chief of chief of staff. Could you see Jeb Bush doing that? I could. Yes. So tell me what tell me what's demonstrably different. Other when you take away Trump's personality, when you look at the actual people that are going to call the shots, what's that much different? There isn't anything that's much different. But the other thing is, you know, let's take away his personality, but also you'll have to take away the fact that he is paying back people, right? I mean, he some is, people. There was a big story in Politico yesterday. That a lot of the what they call themselves the original Trumpers are right. all, are being left behind. Well, like Corey Lewandowski. Yeah, and, and they even at a conference call, right. the, the gal who ran his Florida primary campaign had a conference call with Trump this week, saying, "Hey, I saw so that." There's some people that are starting to get ticked off here that that they're not that there's no that there aren't any spots for them. Oh, I'm certain they'll find a spot for some of those people. But you know, when I look at this, I. I am more pessimistic as the time goes on. I'm like, this is a dumpster fire. I'm just, I'm disgusted by his inconsistency. And, you know, the $1 trillion infrastructure spending, that is something that people really need to look at. All this other stuff, he's just playing with you. This is all about economic interests, and it's going to be worse for conservatism. Yeah, if George W. Bush's tenure in office led to the Marxists that we have there currently, um, if this is no different than a typical Republican um, or somewhat different than a typical Republican, uh, maybe a little bit more to, towards the left, then I hate to see what's what's coming next if that uh, trend holds. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, you can't really argue with, with some of these appointments that he's making. I mean, he's been um, consistent about, well, fairly consistent, consistent in Trump terms about opposing uh, global warming. And here we have somebody in Scott Pruitt who is actually going to uh, to fight against global warming is not which I know we'll be talking about later um, aside in that meeting with Al Gore uh, this is I think this is fairly good news this week overall see even though I agree with Kim's analysis I do not share your conclusions first of all conservatism ended in this campaign on May 3rd when Ted Cruz got kicked to the curb it has not been a factor in this campaign, and it, and it really hasn't been a factor in the last several presidential campaigns that we have had. I mean, the last the couple of nominees were Mitt Romney and John McCain, and before that you had the guy who wrote the book on guns and butter, social conservatism with big government, George W. Bush for two terms. I mean, when, when was the last time we had a presidential election that was really about changing the role government has in our lives. Do you know when that was? Well, it's all going to be tied on to the, the idea that this is actually conservatism, and it is not. No, that, well, that I agree with you. That I agree with you, but, but the attraction that many had to this individual, and, and I'm talking about the people who signed on to be a part of the movement. I'm not talking about the people that went in there on November the 8th and said, we just cannot afford a third term of a communist in the White House. I'm not talking about those people. But the people that signed on to this movement largely did so because they saw the way, by hook or by crook, Obama used authoritarianism to placate and pay off his constituency groups. And they said, hey, we want our own guy that will do this for us. 
We want our own guy that will go in there and just be shameless in the White House and, and using gov- the, the full coercive power of government to help us and to support us the way Obama did it for his minions. Is that kind of what you're you're seeing that really? Yeah, and that's I, why I mean, it's the disaster. I, I was mean, talking well, about. I mean, that's where the infrastructure programs, yeah. that's where the carrier deal came from. And by the way, carrier announced today they're going to use some of that money to actually go out and uh, install automation and robots and, oh, and, and robotic technology, which will put people out of work. There you go. Uh, but but that's that's what his presidency was about. Is hey, we need to find our own Obama. And but not in terms of ideology, but in terms of authoritarianism. Exit question. Is Trump a master man- manipulator or a man without a plan? Kim? Yes. Man without a plan. Master manipulator of the media. Kim is correct. The answer is yes. Issue two is next. You're listening to Steve Dace. Back here on the Dace Group, your weekly look at the week that was here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. Let's get to issue two. Keep an eye on that Ivanka. President-elect Donald Trump met on Monday with Al Gore, one of the most vocal advocates of the global warming myth. Before the meeting, Trump spokesman Jason Miller told reporters on a daily briefing that Gore would meet with Ivanka Trump, the president-elect's daughter, about climate issues, but he didn't know what specifically was on the agenda. He had also said the former Democratic vice president would not meet with Trump himself. But Gore told reporters after the meeting that he did meet with Trump after seeing Ivanka. Uh, the bulk of the time was with uh, President-elect Donald Trump. Uh, I, I found it an, an extremely interesting conversation uh, and uh, to be continued. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Thank you. Later on in the week, it was reported Ivanka and her husband, Jared Kushner, plan to move to Washington, D.C. Ivanka Trump has been very open about her leftist policy ideas throughout the campaign and, for instance, all but took credit for Trump's child care policy introduced earlier this fall. It's clear that the first daughter's actions and influence will definitely be something to keep an eye on. First question, how conservative or how concerned should conservatives be about Ivanka's influence, I ask you, Kim? Well, you know, if we want to be consistent and have some integrity, you need to be concerned about anyone who's unelected having that much influence in what they're doing. So if we didn't like Hillary Clinton and what she did during, um, you know, the reign of her husband with regard to health care, then, you know, you got to look and see how Ivanka is handling things. You know, at times I feel like we're just going to be the White House and one big product placement type thing where, you know, she's going to be involved in the RNC like say like her speech for example and then she tweets you can buy her dress at Macy's for $138. I mean, <laughs> what the heck? So we have to be careful. There I mean, is that's- a, there is a certain low class, tacky, low brow for for <laughs> being such an opulent family. There is a certain cousin Eddie tackiness to the way they operate. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just in the by the way, right now, 139.99 at Macy's. You know what I'm saying? It's right. just it's just it's just tacky. It's a little bit better than Billy Beer, but it's, you know, it's close. So, I mean. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, if Trump does a spot for Duff's beer, I'm totally in. All right, Todd, your thoughts. We shouldn't be at all concerned about her influence. I mean, every president, Republican or Democrat, 
his influence. It's, it's about, in, in, in the end, good or bad, it's all on them, the men or, or woman who happens to hold the office. So, yeah, yeah, she's a lib. George Bush's wife and daughters were libs. We've come to learn that more and more after time got on. They have their big boys. They need to make their own decisions. And if it comes down to it sooner or later and we have to say, hey, Donald, uh, the reason you're uh, not doing well for the country two years from now uh, is because you're listening too much for that crackpot daughter of yours, we'll tell him. But right now, we got bigger fish to fry. If we really are sitting here worried about Ivanka Trump, you know, we deserve to lose as conservatives. Aaron? Yeah, that's, a, that's well said, Todd. I mean, at some point with, I mean, you, you know about all the creepy stuff that Donald Trump has said about Ivanka. I, at some point, I wonder if, if Trump just kind of doesn't care what he sounds like or what he What was your thinks. first clue, Aaron, <laughs> that that might well, that be the case? No, what, no, 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 no. What was no, your no, first no, clue? Let, let, let me finish. Okay. I wonder sometimes if he doesn't care what Ivanka things based on some uh, of those comments oh, nice. that he's made yeah, about see Ivanka see I, I'm gonna do it again and I don't mean to I really don't I just think a lot of times when people give opinions they don't consider the an, an angle other than their immediate impulse that's why I often look at the contrarian view because a lot of times people opine and don't consider what is on, is on the other side of the looking glass guys so here's what went down this week all right, so Ivanka calls in Al Gore uh, to talk about how uh, the com internal combustible engine was going to blow us up in 1991, and that was 25 years ago, right? So, And they have this big powwow. Trump supposedly stops in after he wasn't going to be at the meeting at all. Gore comes out, you know, and uh, says uh, he's, he found it to be an interesting conversation, and uh, he looks forward to it continuing, whatever, right? And everybody freaks out. Next day... The attorney general from Oklahoma, who's out suing all the Al Gore wannabes around the country in the federal courts, gets named the head of the EPA. What could potentially be happening here? I, I have little doubt Donald Trump has, I guess we will call it, to avoid any more awkward and uncomfortable conversations. We'll just we'll use a, uh, the phrase, night. he has a high, uh, high view of his daughter. Should we just go with that? I think and, that's and let's the just, best let's just, way to put let, it. A high opinion of her, and we'll just leave it at that, right? He also, though, wouldn't be the first rich guy in Manhattan to condescend to his little princess and pretend to care what she actually thinks and even let her go about her way putting on airs like her opinion really matters and is relevant. And then after she's done, he just gets together with the, you know, his fellow rich guys and just goes out there and does whatever he's going to do anyway. Have we? Is, is is this not a story we've all seen before? Tale as old as time. No time. No no question. We just saw it this week. Yeah yeah. I'll stop in. I'm uh, sure, honey. I'll stop in and say hi to Al. Plus, I just want I, I want the, I want the media to talk about another another failed presidential candidate came over to Trump Tower here to make the Hodge and kiss my ring. So and because because you know as soon as he walked out of me with Al Gore, Trump rolled over into his corner office with Bannon to turn on MSNBC to see how quickly that story ends up on the camera so they could laugh about it, right? And then the next day they come out and they, and Scott Pruitt's going to run EPA. I, I I think I think this is the most overrated story of the entire election is her. And her influence. I mean, look at the, go back to the convention, Ted Cruz, right? And you could there people did lip syncing of of Trump and uh, his uh, kids talking in their suite when Cruz was given his vote your conscience speech, and and essentially what it came down to is is Trump saying to Ivanka, maybe I should have listened to you and not let him give a speech because she just said don't let him talk, right? But again, 
she gives her opinion on a serious matter. Oh, you're right, honey. How's that clothing line going? Oh, I know. Right. I mean, it's not as if there's not a history of Donald Trump patronizing women. Can we throw that one out there? Right. That's, oh, that's totally there's no precedent accurate. for that anywhere. All right. So there you go. OK, so so then he just, oh, you're right, honey. Then he goes out, meets with the boys. They decide, yeah, we got to probably let Cruz speak just to, you know, and, and here's what we'll do. We'll even set him up, man. We'll set him up. He'll go out there and give some speech because, you know, Ted Cruz will try to take some phony principled stance. Right. That's what that's what they're thinking. And we'll let him do it. And then as soon as he starts doing it, I'll get up and talk and walk around, and people will cheer me. They'll boo him. We'll just totally screw this guy. That's, that's, you end up becoming a billionaire doing stuff like that, not listening to your precious snowflake princess who thinks that, um, you know, uh, be, because we're out of cream rinse that we've got to put off tonight's board meeting. It, that's not the way the real world works, guys. That only happens in Lifetime movies. That doesn't actually happen in real life. You guys can now argue with me and tell me I'm wrong. What is cream rinse? That's my only. That's my only question out of all of that. No, I think that's. I think that's absolutely right. And as I mentioned earlier, I think that's a tale as old as as old as time, and it would fit into what we've seen so far. Todd, you were just riding on my coattails there, baby. That's what I said. Well, you were my muse, Kim. This one hurts um, because I'd like to believe that she's actually smarter than that. Oh, I'm sure she's smarter than and, that, and um, that he actually doesn't condescend to her. Um, I'm sure she is smarter than that, and I am sure that he condescends to her. And I'm sure he has condescended to a lot smarter women than Ivanka Trump. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see how much she has, uh, how much influence she has, Um, particularly when you're talking about child care and some of those issues. So we'll see. Oh, he'll throw her a bone. She'll get a bone. You'll get, get, you know, real head start. Well, we'll have child care like, you know, at the prenatal stage or something. She'll get something to occupy her time in between social gatherings and Manhattan jet set lifestyle. But I don't think she'll have much influence. On a scale of one to ten, how much influence do you think Ivanka Trump will have, Kim, quickly? Five. Two. Three. The answer is a three at best. You're listening to Steve Dace. All right, back here on the Dace Group Roundtable, your weekly look at the week that was here on the Salem Radio Network. Let's get to issue three. The final numbers are in. As Donald Trump selects cabinet members and prepares to take over the White House after a shocking win on Election Day, his former presidential opponent has seen the number of votes cast for her increasing by the millions across the country. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton has garnered at least 65.5 million votes in the 2016 presidential election, over 2.6 million more than the president-elect, who has received at least right around 63 million votes, according to figures released Wednesday by the Cook Report, a nonpartisan election analysis organization. Clinton now has a margin of more than 2% of the popular vote majority over Trump, as states like Florida and California continue to submit ballots from primarily Democratic-held regions like Miami and Los Angeles. Of course, if you take California alone away from Clinton, her overall lead in the popular vote all but vanishes. And it appears that Trump will outperform Mitt Romney by more than a million votes by the time the dust settles with counting every single ballot. What does the fact Trump got more votes than Romney tell us about this election, even though the turnout was roughly the same? I think it was roughly about 56 percent, Aaron, in both elections. So given uh, the turnout uh, was similar to 2012, what does the fact Trump got more votes than Romney tell us about this election and maybe future elections for the GOP? I ask you, Kim, what do you think? Well, you know, I look at this and go, this really doesn't have a lot to do with Romney. This has a lot to do with Trump. 
going against a corrupt, um, you know, disliked candidate. And so, and then when I look at what's going to happen to the future of the GOP, it has to do with delivery. What's he going to do on the economy? And I think that's really what will tell us what's going to happen um, going forward with the GOP. It's got to do with the economy, whether or not he's going to deal with the stagnant economy, whether he's going to deal with getting people back to work. I mean, that's really going to tell us how it moves forward. I don't think, you know, the idea... The fact that he beat Romney is not a big deal to me. I mean, Romney went against Obama, who was, you know, charismatic and iconic and well-loved. Donald Trump went against somebody that a lot of people just loathed. But the future of the GOP, it's going to have to do with the economy. What's going to happen? Aaron. I... I think the lesson is, and I agree with you, I don't think this has anything to do with, with Romney at all. It, it is worth comparing um, that I, I, what I take away from this is that Donald Trump is somebody who pulled, uh, paints in, in bold colors. Now, that those colors might make, you know, might look like a Picasso where it's just kind of all over the place, but it's bold colors nonetheless. Uh, and I think the, the, the lesson that needs to be learned for the GOP, or really any new political party if one it comes to existence um is that you have to do that no more squishiness no more of this uh trying to find the oldest white guy who will appeal to the most uh k street or wall street um donors don't 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 try to find that person trying to find somebody who's actually bold that's that's the lesson to be learned todd this election it tells us about the combined hatred of hillary and the gop establishment even though as Aaron has alluded to and you've said many times Trump was was and likely will be more established than many people think uh, Trump cult doesn't think that and uh, modern America uh, very much hates Hillary Clinton on both sides right and left the establishment is low so that speaks to Donald Trump uh, and his success right now in terms of the fact the past I'm not gonna like I said I loathe the concept of talking about the election two years from now let alone four. This says nothing, and I mean nothing, about uh, four years from now. It all depends on Donald Trump's uh, performance. We cannot be, I don't think we can begin to accurately do anything but blind guessing on that front. See, I think the reason he's going to remain executive producer of The Apprentice, for example, I think the reason he stays on Twitter, because I think he understands the shallowness of most people, and by, by, by continuing these activities, this creates the veneer, this, this creates the mirage that he is different, that he's a lot different than everything else. And, and so just as we've talked in the past about, and I'm sure we'll get into this later when the media topic comes up, but just as we've talked in the past how he uses these devices to throw media off the scent, I mean, if, 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 here's, here is one thing that is different. If Jeb Bush would have nominated, and I think he would have nominated somebody like Scott Pruitt, maybe not him specifically, but somebody like that, head of the EPA. The cow birthing that would have gone on on the entire liberal media industrial complex for the next 24 hours would have been real and spectacular. This would have been second coming, end of world. Literally, the ozone layer will fall down on America only because of how much we hate the environment with disappointment. And then, and the and the Bush transition team would have had to come up with a way to combat that narrative. Right? Here's what Trump does. I don't know, uh, you know, maybe I should be executive producer of The Apprentice. Oh, I can't believe that! There's no amount of money this guy won't just whore for himself out for. Meanwhile, they're over here having a cow, and he appoints Scott Pruitt, and like nobody talking about it. See the difference? Yeah. See, I think he does this to his own followers. 
I do all this crazy stuff on Twitter so that you don't pay attention to the fact I'm appointing the Goldman Sachs All-Star team to my cabinet. Exit question. Will Mitt Romney be Trump's Secretary of State, Kim? No. 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 You're all right. The answer is no. You're listening to Steve Dace. All right, back here on the Dace Group Roundtable here on the Salem Radio Network, the weekly look at the week that was. Powered by Conservative Review, issue four, fake news and phony narratives. A popular trend has been pushed by the leftist media in the past few weeks, and that trend is fake news. Nowhere has that been pushed more than on places like The View, the Media Research Center, put together a montage of the cast of The View, first talking about how they fact-check every word that comes out of their mouths. But when we give facts, it's checked with ABC News. Or they Absolutely. Or, 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 you know, we don't just go to one place. We don't just right. go to one place. We, we actually have, we're held to a different standard. We have to look at many different places before we can say that's what's happening. Yeah, right. And they say stuff like that after saying stuff like this. Pretty much that if Donald Trump would, God forbid, to win the election he would put all conservative justices on there and then roe v wade would be overturned well he used to say extremism and they said that wasn't good enough enough. but when the president says radical uh islamic people say that's not strong enough it's like you know look what he i think the problem is people have said he's not saying it so maybe if he he did say it no he has said when mitch mcconnell came out and said like Five minutes after Obama was was elected, yeah. we're going to make this a one term. We're going to do everything we can to get another Republican in the White House. As soon as he said that, yeah. I thought, you know what? As a party, yeah. to you. The View is just one place where this tone-deaf narrative of fake news has been pushed by the media. And sure, just scroll through your Facebook news feed and you'll see various friends sharing various clickbait about conspiracy theories and the like. But it seems the media's definition of fake news is much broader and more mercurial. Todd, Mr. Journalism is magical and not at all broken. Based on what you have seen over these last few weeks of the mainstream media trend of lambasting fake news, have you been able to glean an actual definition of what they think that is? I mean, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, we just heard her voice. And Aaron, don't ever do that on this show again, by the way. Um, even though it was a useful clip, I, I can't handle it, so don't play it. But uh, her predecessor in that seat at The View was Rosie O'Donnell. She used to sit there on The View during the Bush years. Do you remember this, Tom? Talking about all the conspiracies about how Bush must have known about 9-11 ahead of time. Steel doesn't melt. right? Those are the, these are the things she used to sit there and say on The View. She used to go 9-11 truther right there on The View all the time. Apparently ABC News did in fact check that. Uh, but anyway, uh, what do they think fake news is? Do we know? They think, I know intimately what they think fake news is. Fake news is something that competes with their narrative. Period. End of sentence. Which is why I say bias isn't always the uh, the thing, the big, ugly, ogre monster. It's the things you you don't talk about. It It is often very subtle. A narrative has to be that's subtle to last as long as it has. 
So they are frustrated that it is obvious that people all across, and listen, economically, they've learned this in the last uh, decade in terms of the amount of layoffs. So that's the case. I do have good seasoned reporter friends, though. They are authentic, and they're our age, Steve, so they're not... You know, sixty-five-year-old Mike Royko dinosaurs, and and they talk nice ab- Mike Royko reference, nice, and and they talk about the importance of you know sh- shoe leather reporting, working a beat, understanding sources, and they do that, and I respect them because that is real. And then I point out that the institution that lets some of us go right here in this town, the Des Moines Register, it don't pretend that that's what they do anymore. They have forsaken that as much as anybody else. They do the clickbait. They want to know how many you know views you're getting on everything. They gave up on old-fashioned reporting. So never look at me and they and they look at me and you know you're you're right. So these people that are lecturing about uh, fake news are the ones that started practicing fake news before we started getting anything from Macedonia or God knows where else it's coming from. So, Kim, here's where I am concerned about this. Okay, so this 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 afternoon before we went on the air tonight, I I posted a link to a study NBC News did of this Macedonian teenager who owns up to publishing a lot of the kinds of fake Trump conspiracies and Obama declares martial law and won't leave the White House. Now, I don't know about you guys. This stuff infested my freaking social media feeds all year. I can't tell you how many people emailed me, Steve, is this true? Steve, my friends are telling me this stuff is going on. None of it's true. None of it's true. We saw this stuff all the time, right? Amish supporters for Trump, people paid to protest. All these fake stories, we saw these on behalf of, of Trump, for Trump, gullible Trump supporters. We battled these in the primaries when we supported other candidates, and people accepted this as fake news, as, as real news, and it was all fake. I post something about this. The very first comment on my Facebook wall is, a, is, is someone saying, hey, I think everything NBC says is fake. Look at all the, look at all the biased reporting they do and everything else. But the problem I have with this is uh, we are conflating media bias with flat-out forgeries, flat-out frauds, right? And, and it's okay to live in a universe where, the, where a lot of mainstream media is biased to a particular point of view, but then also admit that this is, just, this is, this is, a, this is an infestation of our movement, is these conspiracy fake news sites that are right. becoming legitimized. So my concern is that we are that we really are beginning to live in a post-truth society. That's what I was just going to say. I mean, wasn't that the new word, post-truth? Yes. And that's what it is, and that's what we're looking at. And I like how you said the narrative, um, Todd, when you were telling us that the narrative is, you know, fake news is anything that com- um, fights against their narrative. That's that's. Exactly yes. what it is. Yeah, I, when I so the reason I posted that NBC news story, and I agree. And one of the, one commenter said, "Hey, if Trump had lost, do you think they'd be posting that story?" No, no, they would not. But that speaks to their bias, not the fact that this story itself is a fake. All these cons- these Printleys, these conservative treehouses, these Red Nation Rising right. fake conspiracy sites, all came from somewhere. Don't our people really want to know that they're being lied to? Do not conflate bias with fake. Fake and bias are different things. I agree with you that to the Marxist on the view, fake news is what competes with our narrative or goes against it. I agree with that, right? That's why they list like, I think I saw one of their, one of their people listed like red state as fake news, stuff like that. Okay, because why? Because they compete with their narrative. But even though NBC, the reason they decided to report on this actual story is because Hillary lost and they want to find out why. If she had won, they wouldn't care. 
that doesn't mean the story's any less true. We we have to we have to have some kind of a common sense moron filter, Todd. You're right about the distinction, but the forgeries are only possible because of how long the bias has existed. This I agree. is Lord Nefarious at work. He ruined that thing for decades, and people were starving for anything different. Well, they got it. Yeah, they got it. Exit question: What if any mainstream media personality do you trust, Kim? Todd Erzin. <laughs> Mainstream. Me too. I'll say Jake Tapper, maybe closely. You're listening to Steve Dace. All right, back one final time here on the Dace Group Roundtable, your weekly look at the week that was. We'll now take a look ahead here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. It is time for our predictions. Todd, you will begin. My Kim's pred- most trusted mainstream media personality. Thanks Since for you're the most trusted mainstream media. You get, you get to yeah. start. Most trusted. My prediction is that uh, one aspect of the Constitution that is going to flourish within the next four years is we are finally going to impeach some federal judges. Oh, from your lips to God's ears, Kim. Wow. Um, Okay, so this is a prediction that I don't want this to happen, but um, I think for the Supreme Court justice, he's going to actually put forth Diane Sykes, the very person that uh, Andy Schlafly Schlafly said last night, no way. I just had him swooning, and then you turn around and you just (laughs) kick him in the groin. (laughs) So the very person, Diane Sykes, she is the person that the Federalist Society loves. Um, She's from Wisconsin. She's... um, She's a female. He, he loves that type of uh, look. So that's what I'm going for. Aaron, y'all ever watch Citizen Kane? Yes. Yep. I think when the movie is made about Donald Trump's uh, life, it's going to closely resemble that movie. Except in that movie, uh, Charles Kane didn't actually become president. But um, I think they, they, some of the resemblances are, are uncanny. Here comes the other foot. I'm I'm trying to f- is is that a prediction? Yes. How so? Uh, in that, uh, well, I just told you the predi- the similarity. Oh, the you sim- think they'll turn they'll it into a movie, a movie yeah. and they'll model it? Okay, you, they, okay, I missed that part of it. Okay, I got you. Okay, all right. You guys ready for this? And I am I'm dead serious when I predict this. This is no joke, not tongue in cheek. Laura Ingram will be Trump's White House spokesperson. Why do you think that'd be joking? I, I don't think that's, you're. That's not a joke. New, is there new information that you can divulge? Uh, there is new information I cannot divulge. I'm buying. Wait a minute. Okay, so is she going to stop working? Yes. And she's just gonna. She's gonna do. She's gonna be Ari Fleischer. Uh, so Josh, she's going to uh, go from how much money guy, she Josh earned. Josh Ernest, and there's, yep. uh, you know, uh, to a hundred thousand dollars. Larry Speaks, thing. who who did it for uh, for yeah, Ronald Reagan, Donald Trump, Marlon Fitzwater. See, the he, I think the difference between Tony Snow, who who Donald Trump's uh, Donald Trump appoints as, as press secretary, and the ones that we've seen during Obama's years is that the ones uh, during Obama the Obama years was all they were always playing defense because there was so much crap going on. I think the uh, press secretary here is going to have a, a lot of opportunity to go on. This offense. is a lot bigger platform. I mean, Laura Ingram's been around for a long time. I'm sure she's made plenty of money. This is a lot bigger platform. 
than her radio show is. This is the biggest bully pulpit on planet Earth. Saying yes to this is a no-brainer. And more than that, he wants to be entertained. I mean, he he goes on TV and he makes his own personalities to entertain himself. He wants to tune into his press conferences less about disseminating information than to say, hey, look what Laura's going to do to these guys. Are you not <laughs> entertained? Indeed. Hour three is next. You're listening to Steve Dace. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, hour number three underway here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. You've stuck with us this long. You might as well see it through to the very bitter end. And I can promise you one thing. I know how this ends. It will be bitter. Let's get to three questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show with three questions where our producer Aaron gets to come up with three questions on any three things. He can ask us anything that he would like. Nothing is off limits, but... He does have to answer the same questions himself. Thank you, Steve. Uh, question one, what's your idea of a perfect Christmas Eve and Christmas Day? Um, you know, I like uh, how we do it, which is uh, we have uh, Christmas Eve service at our church. Now, with Christmas on a Sunday, we have our regular Sunday service at Chris- on Christmas Day, so we'll go to both. But we, uh, we do Christmas Eve uh, service as a family, come home, have dinner. Uh, kids get to open one present. On Christmas Eve. And then the next morning is a uh, roll camera and everybody runs down uh, to see what they got for Christmas. And we spend the day, you know, we have Christmas dinner, uh, spend the day playing with uh, uh, and, and utilizing the new cool stuff everybody got. And uh, just, you know, having a having a really good family time. That That's sort of how we do it. And I like the way we do it. Who's up? Todd. Well, it, uh, we actually talked a little bit about this uh, last week, yesterday, um, or earlier this week, but Christmas Eve mass, the girls singing in the uh, uh, the choir, they start practicing for that this Sunday and every Sunday up until Christmas. So, so that's uh, really special. And everything, the way the um, the church changes in terms of the uh, the decoration. It's de- it's definitely fuller. There is that Christmas feel to it. I uh, love Christmas Eve mass, uh, the readings, the music, and that. But then the day is very much along the lines of what you uh, said, Steve. I, and ours will probably be. I mean, we've. I can't remember the if we've ever done just my immediate 
family for Christmas, but it might end up being that way this Christmas, uh, which will be a new experience. But it'll look very much like you said, Steve. I, I think that I, our our family's pace these days is just we're coming and going. Something's always going on. Uh, work schedules, athletics, school. Uh, the, the, the quiet is special. The still small voice of God just shutting it all off and just being. It's neat. Because my mother-in-law may be listening, I should mention, our in-laws will be over during the day. I guess I don't, I kind of just view them as... Family. Yeah, family. Well, so Yeah, so I don't, you know, they don't, to me it doesn't really alter our vibe at all that they're over because we get along so well. And I know I'm pretty fortunate in that regard, Kim. This year's going to be different. Um, it's uh, Usually what we have is Christmas Eve is always on my side of the family, and then Christmas Day is on my husband's side. But, you know, his mom went home um, in September, so um, it's going to be a different configuration on how we get to see everybody, but um, it's always about family. And then, of course, this year another thing's different is we're going to take a whole family trip, and uh, boyfriends included. So this is going to be really interesting. Our girlfriend, I mean, our daughters have these two young men who are very... Very honorable, very nice men, and um, so it'll be a family trip. Where are you going? We're going to Montana. Oh, okay. Do some snowboarding. Nice. Um, let's see. My, my ideal Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, uh, snow, lots of family. That's just about it. I am going out to um, to the West Coast uh, where my uh, most of my family will be getting together, so I'll get to see my uh, nieces and nephews, some of them, for the first time in quite a while. Question two, most meaningful Christmas gift you've ever given? I've ever given mm-hmm. um, or that you think was based on the reaction of the uh, receiver was meaningful the the two that stick out in my mind was last Christmas presenting Noah with the certificate that he was going to go to his first game at the big house and the in the in the little dude was so overcome with excitement he literally started tearing up because he couldn't process um, all of his enthusiasm and then uh, I taught I think I've shared this story before, the year that uh, Anna tried to save up for an iPad, and she did really well. She saved up all year long. And she was a couple hundred dollars short uh, at uh, when we got to Christmas, or almost a couple hundred dollars short when we got to Christmas. And we went out, and Amy and I did got a massive box. And so she opened it up, and inside there was another box. Opened it up, inside there was another box. Inside there was another box. And then finally she got down to this little box on the inside, and it was the rest of the money that she needed for her iPad. We wanted to reward her for the amount of discipline she had shown throughout the course of the year. Todd? I'm trying to, I would imagine it would probably be, but I'm not going to do justice to this because I can't remember specifically what I got, but a, a, a present I gave my wife when we were just dating on that first Christmas. Boy, but it doesn't really it's not a great story unless i can remember what it was must have been fantastic i know this you better remember it before you get home tonight now that you've brought it I, up i think that's i said all this out loud on the radio yeah you might, I, I know that you got a little bit of time to come up with it before you head yeah, home yes. yeah kim you go while i'm pondering well that is sad <laughs> <laughs> um it probably has to do with when um one Christmas, we gave the girls all the things that they would need for the eventual horses that we were going to be buying in the spring. So, you know, the feed buckets, the you know, all the equipment that they were going to need, saddles and everything. They were very excited. Um, but the most meaningful, I think, is uh, my, my parents love um, listening to music all around the house and all around the farm. 
Uh, and they wanted like Bluetooth speakers or something so they could all be listening to the same thing at the same time. And I thought, well, I'm not going to do that. Those are expensive. And we have a ton of radios uh, all spread across the uh, property. So I got them an FM transmitter, and it is awesome. It works really well, and they loved it. Uh, Todd, you got anything else you want to add? Well, uh, along the lines of what Steve said with the game. <laughs> he wants to give you another I, chance. Uh, I will go tangential. Say a couple of Christmases ago, we told our daughters with a, a we wrapped something up that that informed them that they were going to be going to Disney the following summer as part of their Christmas present, and to see, you know, the Disney look on your four daughters' faces that was pretty cool. We wanted to do that thing where we didn't tell when we took the big Disney uh, Disney trip in 2010. We wanted to do that thing where we were to film it, not tell them, just get them up in the morning. We were flying out and not. Have, but my, but if you guys know my wife, she likes to plan. And so the idea that we would go there for the first time and not plan everything out, it was just kind of get it because it's pretty daunting. There's a lot to do for a week, so we didn't do that. But one of these years, we're going to do something like that. We're going to just wake everybody. You got to go right now, you know, and not let them know what we're going to do. Nice. Uh, aside from Elf and It's a Wonderful Life, best movie to watch around Christmas time? The original uh, Miracle on 34th Street with Natalie Wood, uh, also one of my all-time favorites. Uh, with Maureen O'Hara as well. And um, I love the movie. Uh, and we had Woody on earlier, and he used uh, the term for one of his reviews, charming. That is one of the most charming movies I think Hollywood has has ever made. Uh, it came out, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago now, but The, the Nativity, we watch it. It's another good one. We yeah, watch it every Christmas. Yeah. Uh, Oscar Isaac, now of uh, Star Wars fame, he plays Joseph. Um, it's just... I never, I never tire of it. I look forward to it earnestly every single time. Those are all really good. Um, I'll just have to add then National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, nice. That's, nice. that's that's good too. Uh, either one of the Home Alone movies. Those uh, those are those are uh, up there. Yeah, uh, the first one, the second one, yeah. Yeah, I can't. I, it's been so. It's been a while. I think we're gonna watch them with with the nephews uh, this. This coming Christmas to indoctrinate them into that uh, tradition, but I can't remember which one is which. I haven't seen. Nobody it. said the Star Wars holiday special. Have you got, have you never seen this, Aaron? I don't want to see it. It is the worst thing I've watched in my life. No, I take that back. I watched the first like two minutes. It is it is it's, it is beyond dreck. Beyond dreck. Especially, and I remember considering, you mean Star Wars, and when we were that age, yes. we're like, it's got to be great, I can't wait. And even back then, with the little cynic in us came like, this, what is going when, on? When, when Mark Hamill first shows up, came out Christmas 78, Lucas himself did it. He got so, so ashamed of it, he tried to get rid of like all the copies. You had to buy him bootlegs, bootlegged at conventions for years. I know I bought one like 20 years ago at a Star Trek convention. Now, now it's on YouTube. But Mark Hamill shows up, and it looks like he spent the night underneath the world's first tanning lamp just he looks oranger than donald trump you know harrison ford's acting is so bad they celebrate life day on the wookie planet kashik princess leia carrie fisher sings a song it is dreck pure unadulterated dreck and we watch it every year you're listening to steve dace Hunting rhinos into extinction. The Steve Day Show. Completely different. We need to have a talk about it. An excursus 
on natural theology. I prefer metaphysics to theology. See, there's no guilt in baseball. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Can we talk about something else? Certain aspects of his culture may seem absurd, perhaps even offensive. We have cut the culture crap and get to the hotel. We gotta get some buzz going. This is the Nightly Buzz, where we go back and take a look at some of the headlines we didn't have time to get to earlier in the evening, especially because I had to break my foot off in Aaron's backside for the goodness of for the good of masculinity to stop to top off the show tonight. So there's probably a lot of stories out there that we needed to discuss but didn't have time to. Aaron has those headlines. We've got the hot takes. Thanks, I think. President Obama has ordered American intelligence agencies to produce a full report on Russian efforts to influence the 2016 presidential election, his Homeland Security advisor said on Friday. He also directed them to develop a list of lessons learned from the broad campaign of the United States that they've accused Russia of carrying out to steal emails, publish their contents, and probe the vote counting system. I'm all for this. You guys, is anybody opposed to, in fact, I think I saw yesterday Republicans in Congress want to look at this too, don't they? You know anything? Um, I think this. I think anything along this lines. They they need to take this crap seriously. Yeah, I think it's absolutely something that ought to be looked into. Of course, I don't have the same motivations. I'm sure that Barack right. Obama has, but um, nonetheless, uh, motivations aside, I, I think there was an abnormal amount of of intercession in our election from a foreign government, and one that is at best agnostic towards us if not hostile. I think that's worthy of looking into, Tom. That is true, and it is the grown-up answer. The snarky kid in me hopes that the sum total of the report is one sentence from Putin that says, yeah, we did it. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? But, you know, the integrity of the electoral process is something you have to take seriously. So, you know, whether it's um, something wrong with the ballots or whether it's, um, you know... You know, Russia in being involved, you have to look at it. But the worst thing to do is then to, this isn't a Russia problem. This is an us problem. We we aren't serious on so many levels, which is why this happens and why we deserve it. Next story, Joe Biden has blamed the press for Hillary's loss. He said to CNN, Hillary was the single most qualified on the fact of it to run for president of the United States that we've had, period. It wasn't that she didn't have all these ideas. She did. But the press, you didn't cover it. He also claims the president-elect Donald Trump won the election by diverting the media's attention away from serious issues to scandals. Also in related news, MSNBC co-host Mika Brzezinski said on Friday on Morning Joe that Hillary Clinton's campaign wanted her to, or her pulled off the air for being critical of the Democratic nominee. <laughs> um, I'm not even going to address the whole Mika thing. I mean, that's... That's lib on lib crime. I'm just going to grab the tobo corn and just, you know, watch. But uh, the Biden stuff, the second part of that, he's right about. He's largely correct about that. I mean, Trump did use diversionary tactics from serious issues. And it By continues. Way, and it continues. Not because the serious issues were in Hillary's favor, mind you. They weren't. It's because he can't talk serious issues because he has little to no interest in them. That's why. But, um, you know, this when she talked issues in the debates, she was dreadful, guys. Dreadful. So Biden is correct about that last part. That first part, that the media did not do enough fawning coverage of Hillary's... <laughs> I can't even get it out. Kim's already laughing. 
They didn't give us enough just general profiles of the greatness that is and soon to be was. Hillary Clinton, as my teenage daughter likes to say, I, I can't even. Decades of discussing how she just cares about women and children. By the way, oh, uh, can, I, can, I, can, can I interject one more thing in here? Qualifications is not the same as achievements. Okay? And I think it's always important to hear the left always uses the word qualification. What's the word achievement? See, those things are different. Qualifications are not achievements. They have no achievements because their solutions suck. Yeah. I mean, so you, you, can, get, you can mark time. Stapler guy on office space has some qualifications. He just stood there. You know, he was part of the team for years. Did he do anything? What were his achievements? What, what accounts did he land, right? What bonuses did he receive for accommodation, job well done? I mean, what has she achieved? What has she achieved? What, tell me, can you guys tell me what she's achieved? Do you know? So qualifications aren't the same as achievements. Now, in, in, a, in, a, in a meritocracy, they should, one should lead to the other, right? If you're qualified, you should have achievements, correct? Right? That's how a meritocracy works. That It's a little bit like that old, you, you know, show me your works, I'll show you my faith, show me my faith, I'll show you my works, right? So if, you're qual- if, you have, if, if you have qualifications, you should be producing achievements, do we live in a meritocracy anymore, guys? Do we give people things just because they're of a certain victim gr- victim group and, and we need to move them up in order because it just wasn't fair to them that somebody with a heteronormative preference, um, you know, uh, did something bad 200 years ago. So we got to – you see my point? We don't live in a meritocracy largely anymore. There's very few of them left. Sports is one. Military is the other. And that's why you see the progressive trying to destroy both of those as we speak because they hate meritocracies. All right, so – we do now live in a day and age where qualifications and achievements sometimes don't go hand in hand. Just because you had a position doesn't mean you did a damn thing with it while you were there, Todd. The other point I'd like to make is look how quickly both Biden and Clinton throw the press generally and Mika specifically under the bus after all the work they do, for which is begs the question to the press, again, why are you so pathetic? Why do you keep going head over heels in love for these people. Because they're true believers. That's but, why. They don't even care that they get thrown in the bus. They're like, give and, it to me and, again. And you can still be that on your personal time. Why have you let it destroy your profession? Well, and not to mention, just goes to show you that qualifications and achievements aren't the same things. And what has Hillary done? She went after the wrong MS- MSNBC host. Don't go after the B team. Mika's the B team. Joe's the guy with his name on the, on, on the mm-hmm. title. He's the one that turned his show into a Trump super PAC for six months. Mika's just there along for the ride collecting a check is a pretty face. Joe's the one calling the shots. It's not Morning Mika. What's the show called, guys? Yep, Morning Morning Joe. Joe. You tried to fire the wrong cat. Joe's the former Republican congressman who turned his show into this Trump super PAC for six months. You went after the wrong person. Next story, a professor at a California college was caught on video calling Donald Trump's election an act of terrorism, saying the nation had been assaulted. Olga Perez, stable Cox, a psychology professor, psychology professor at Orange Coast College in Costa Mesa said, Our nation is divided. We've been assaulted. It's an act of terrorism. One of the most frightening things for me and most of the people in my life is that the people creating the assault are among us. Did you know that you're a terrorist for having supported Trump? I didn't, but apparently that's uh, what they're teaching at Orange Coast College's classrooms. The video caption posted by the Republican uh, group who uncovered this said. 
So what do they say that they should do? If it's an act of terrorism, what? Then they're going to round everybody up that voted for Trump and put them in jail? I mean, what is the the response to that? I mean, it has to be some kind of a, you know, a backlash or something. I don't know. If only we had some psychology professors to uh, <laughs> try to psychoanalyze us. Or those. I, I, I'm at the point, I'm, I'm out of snark for these people. I, I just, I've got, I have nothing left other than get thee to a leper colony. Listening to Steve Dace. Don't blame us. He went to public school. This is Steve Dace. Back here on the Steve Day Show here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. Let's get to some feedback Friday. And if you would like to have us respond to your responses to us, uh, just take advantage of the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Dear Mr. Dace, I was listening to your podcast, as I do most days, on the way home from work Saturday morning when tragedy struck. It was during the Friday podcast segment of the Days Group Roundtable with Aaron discussing Christmas music when it happened. You see, the segment was very entertaining and so funny that I could not control my laughter. In fact, I laughed so hard that I ruptured my spleen. I know what you were thinking. Oh, no, I hope he's okay. Don't worry, my friend. Because after a quick trip to the ER and emergency surgery, I seem to be recovering well. However, I am very concerned and am thinking about pursuing litigation. It is with a heavy heart and loss of spleen that I send this harshly worded message. I think you would agree that you are responsible for the content of your shows and, as a concerned show host, care deeply about your listeners. So I want you to know I will consider not pursuing litigation if you meet the following demands. Number one, issue a cautionary warning prior to each broadcast that warns your audience the content of this show is informative and amusing and could potentially result not only in a more informed populace, but can also cause great bodily harm, such as that suffered by Jerry, one of our listeners in North Carolina. Do you think we could meet that condition? That could be done, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Okay. Number two, send some really cool day swag my way. I wear extra large in case you are wondering. I know what you're thinking. We don't have any really cool swag, but I can assure you that unlike most of our great nation who must be told by the Supreme Court judges how we should live, that I, like most of your listeners, can judge for myself and don't need to be led around by these unelected government hacks. Although I already own a copy of A Nefarious Plot, hope your kids are happy. A signed copy would also be a good start, and maybe a signed copy of Rules for Patriots as well. In case you are wondering, this is not bribery. I looked up the definition, and on second thought, well, maybe it is. Nonetheless, my conditions remain. (laughs) In closing, I strongly urge you to consider meeting the above demands to avoid a long and drawn-out court battle. I am considering using one of the Donald's great and wonderful wonderful attorneys if necessary. I heard they are huge. P.S. In all seriousness, we love your show. Hope all of you have a Merry Christmas. And here is my address for the cool swag, just in case. 
That is from Jerry Clayton. That is a very cool email, Jerry. Thank you very much. Amen. Yes. Um, I, I assume we'll send some stuff, right? I don't know. Do we want to set this precedent, uh, Aaron, Todd? Do we want to set a precedent? Wait, well, sh- we need some proof. If, if you we shake, need some proof. yes. I mean, you send us some. Uh, I mean, if you shake us down in such a way, we I mean, just this is like a start Nigerian sending you stuff, Prince. right? Yeah. But if the precedent is next thing you know, internal gonna, bleeding. That's I'm down with that. Well, next thing you know, Jerry's going to send us an email. Steve, I'm stranded in a small Central American country. Please deposit. Can $1, you please deposit uh, one thousand dollars USD immediately? Yes. Oh, Lord have I mean, can you imagine if every time someone threatens to sue us, we send them free stuff? <laughs> yeah, sorry, Jerry. Yeah. Nice email. Yeah, you nice put try it that man. way. Yeah, we don't want to set that precedent. We don't want to make. We don't want to reward. That's that another kind of day that behavior. ends in Y, isn't it? No doubt. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I'm, I, I was going to say we could try to find a spleen and send it to him, but. I, yeah, that's true. We will look for a spare spleen. Yeah. If you need a Todd, you have one. You can. You don't need any more. We will look for a spare spleen. Um, how much time do we have? We've got another two minutes. Okay. Caleb writes, what do you think about red-letter Christians, a Christian who claims to only believe the parts of the Bible that Jesus said, supposedly? Is it even possible to be a red-letter Christian? Um, Caleb, the answer is no. Much of this whole red-letter craze began with something in the 1990s called the Jesus Seminar, when a group of liberal academics, mostly from Ivy League divinity schools, got together in a meeting one day and decided... That, that these are the only things Jesus actually said in the Bible. Now, were they at the authority to come up with this? Where, where, with, with textual criticism or deep academic study they did in order to come to these conclusions? No one really knows because everything was done in secret. But there is no such thing as a red-letter Christian. And by the way, even if you go by the red letters, let's see, Jesus never talked about gay marriage. Okay, never talked about it. Well, actually did. Have you not heard? Have you not heard? He made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Jesus quotes the words of Moses in the Gospels. He says those words directly. Right there in red letters, in fact. So that that entire thing is a scam by a bunch of leftist pagan heretics who are coming up with just new ways to sound smarter while peddling the same leftist pagan heresies. Hope that answered your question, Caleb. Keep him coming. More feedback in a moment. Listening to Steve Dace. No other show sounds like him because no other show would dare. This is Steve Dace. More Feedback Friday here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. Now, we don't normally have this, which is a listener's email answered by another listener. And not on purpose, because they just happen to send emails in with both sides of the equation. So I want to start with this note from Chris Davidson. If Antonio Gramsci's long march through the institutions were to be reversed, what would that look like? How would we go about making that happen at the national or movement level? And how would we best go about making that happen at the individual organizing locally with friends and neighbors level? Exact right question, Chris. This email from Myland, I think, goes a long way in answering. 
Steve, now that we've driven a stake through the heart of the vampire that is Hillary Clinton, we need to burn the coffins where the progressive undead sleep. I love that word picture, by the way. Stop pulling your punches, (laughs) but The media, the public education system, and the courts. First, President Trump should appoint FCC and DOJ heads, the direct uh, television content providers, to unbundle cable channels. This will end the subsidies, leftist networks with fewer viewers, automatic, which, which few view, let me try that again, which few viewers automatically receive and force all the networks to completely or to compete directly for viewers. Second, President Trump should appoint a head of the Department of Education who will withhold federal funding from any state that doesn't offer school choice vouchers to parents immediately, shifting public or shifting funding from a public school system dedicated to the production of Democrat voters to schools dedicated to producing intelligent, thoughtful Americans. Third, President Trump will have to gut and reform the DOJ and nominate judges on all levels who respect the Constitution. That is, on a federal level, Chris, to answer your question, that is exactly what it would look like, what Milan's email just articulated. What do you need to do at the state level? You need to have governors and legislatures that, do these, that model the exact same thing, that do the same thing. But on a local level, we need to be, we got to look at our churches. I'm dead serious. You should look at your churches. Who's on our elder boards? Who's our pastors? We should be looking at that. I mean, that's that, that, the church, the local church as an institution is the primary breeding ground for liberty in a culture. It has to start right there. Because you have to produce a people capable of governing themselves. Where do we get the moral wherewithal to produce such people? The church, the local church. So, and when I say look at them, I don't necessarily mean they've got to go out there and, and everybody's got to be a culture warrior and into politics. You know, I've heard Ravi Zacharias address those subjects at times, but I've never heard him necessarily overtly get involved as a as a as a partisan or guys like R.C. Sproul Sr. for that matter. Does anybody question their theological chops? They also are very open about applying the scriptures to how we are to live our lives and what that what kind of culture we're to aim for and try to produce. That's fine. That doesn't mean everybody has to, you know, have has to have a um, one of those phony faith and freedom coalition uh, voter guides that essentially makes every Republican look like Joan of Arc and every Democrat look like uh, the devil when that's not true. Okay, I'm not saying we everybody's got to do that. What I mean is, is the full counsel of God preached at your church? Is it preached there? No. Well, then are you in a in a position of authority to become an elder? And to have influence to get it to get it preached and taught there. No? Then why do you stay? You should go and encourage others to go too. <gasps> yeah, you should leave. If they don't preach God's word, why are you there? You should go. Go. I mean, that's that. So I think those are fundamental. We need to look at this all the way down to the va- very basic building block of a culture. But on a federal level, it looks exactly like what Milan's email just articulated. Would we expect the left to fund abstinence programs in schools? No. Would you expect them to fund alternative education for abortion for young, underage, single mothers in schools? Of course not. Then why would we fund the other side's talking points? Why would we, why would we fund the other side's propaganda? Why would we do this? There's only two reasons you would do it. 
you're a feckless coward and never underestimate that being a major component to it. Or B, you're not, you're the other side <laughs> yourself. All right. Well, and they got, in that case, you're a quizzling. But, but that's what it looks like. And, and there will be wailing and there will be gnashing of teeth. And you have to be willing to say, so what? I, I don't care. I, I don't care that the comment section at Salon is on fire. I, I just, I, I don't care. I don't. When we purge these people out of our schools, you know what? If some influential families who are, who's, who's, who are key in our school district, if they come to me and they have some concerns about what we're doing, I'm going to listen to them. But I don't, I don't really care that some writer at Vox wrote a nasty blog. That's a lot of this. See, a lot of you are just petrified of other people not liking you and approving of you all the time. And that's why we don't do these things. You just, you just need their approval. You need to be liked. You, you need to email me every time some celebrity says something about the Bible or conservatism. See, he's with No, he's not with us. Well, how do you know? Because all he did was say words. What else has he done? You need this validation. You got to get over that, man. On a basic fundamental human level, you need to get over being validated by a culture and validated by other people. Just going to have to get over it. If, you, if we can't get over it on an individual level, we have no chance to systemically overturn this on a cultural level. We just, we just don't. You're going to need to tighten the circle of people that you require validation and support from. And you're going to need how to liberally, pardon the expression, use the mute and block buttons on your social media accounts. Just don't react. Just get rid of people. Just ban them. Just mute them. Well, if I, I don't want to ban them. We, 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 we are supposedly friends. It'll blow up the relationship, and I want to blow it up over politics. Cool. Then just mute them so you don't see their stuff in your timeline anymore. Just unfollow on Facebook. They don't know. You're still friends. You just unfollow them. Why? So that you don't feel compelled to respond to all of their foolishness all the time or let it impact your morale at all. So that you stay on target. Half of this game, as the great prophet Yogi Berra said, is 90% mental. Listening to Steve Dace. We opine, you decide. You're listening to Steve Dace. All right, back to wrap it up here on a Friday night here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review. So what did we learn here this evening? Todd, you may begin. What would you learn tonight? I learned that if Mike Woody comes in, sits down, and starts things off by giving you a really nice compliment, <laughs> we can count on the rest of the time being more cantankerous than even usual. Yes. It's a trap. Yes. <laughs> it was feisty. It was spicy. It was good. I was thinking about the Trump transition and um, just Goldman Sachs being so heavily positioned in that uh, transition team and, you know, the idea that they're too big to fail and we're going to drain the swamp and, you know, um, nothing new under the sun. It's the same 
same system. Yes. I, I, I mean, I listen, what he's doing, I think, is cl- what we're seeing so far is clearly better than what we would have gotten under Hillary Clinton. Now, however, better doesn't always mean good, right? right? We've talked about this before. Is it better than we would have gotten if she had won? I don't think there's much question about that. How good will it be? That's where the question is. What, what isn't a question is that it's not really that much different. It's not that much different of what we would have gotten if several of these other guys had won that people said they, they thought were squishes or the status quo, like a Jeb Bush that they wanted to move on from. We're getting a lot of what we would have gotten otherwise. The only thing that's really different is his personality. I learned two things this evening. Uh, one is all three of the dudes on the show tonight violated the dude code in some way. Uh, first, it started with you, Tread Steve. carefully, young man. <laughs> Uh, is it not uh, a violation of the dude code to show obsession with another dude's uh, music choices? Music choices at some level. It depends on on the other dude's music choices. If you know what I'm trying to say. Well, you went home. Yeah. You went. Oh, I'm I'm leaving it there. Um, th- second thing. <laughs> second thing is, is that was that Todd. Is that what we call a tap out? Is that what that was? Yeah, it was. Was that a tap out? Thank you. Yeah, I just uh, I just I I didn't I I didn't want. That's to called win. living to fight another day. Aaron's starting to remind me of my son Noah, who continues to play Madden mm. football with me, even though he can't win because he will not stop. He literally looked at me the other day. This is beating you in this game is on my bucket list. He literally looked at me and told me that. He's just going to keep playing me until he can beat me. Uh, it's it's a violation of the dude code to show obsession with another dude at any level, and that's what I thought. The second thing that I <clears throat> learned this evening is, um, you know, for the rest of the night when I get home, I thought I was going to have a hard time planning out my night. But I tell you what, I'm going to go home. I'm going to listen to Year of the Cat on repeat, and I'm going to enjoy it uh, just out of pure spite. For everyone. Now that's that's how a dude rolls right there. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> that's right. Turning the spite up to eleven. That's now that now you have recovered some semblance of dudeness. You don't apologize, you triple down on the dumb, and then you say, I'm gonna do it just to I'm gonna be even dumber just to spite you. It doesn't get any more dude than that, and every woman in the audience listening to this says Amen. Amen. Exactly. John three seventeen. Listening to Steve Dace.